Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Jennifer Veenstra. She's the executive leader of Deloitte's Global CMO Program. And on the show today, we talk about the Global CMO program, what it includes, what are the types of programs that Deloitte offers to up and coming CMOs like the Next Gen CMO Academy. And then we also spend a great deal of time talking about their 2022 Global Marketing Trends Report. There's seven big trends that Jen will go into. And then we dive, deep dive into three of them, building the intelligent creative engine, designing a human first data experience, and elevating the hybrid experience. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jennifer Veenstra. Well, Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah, no, it's been a while since we've talked and I'm um, glad to have you as the first time on the show. We've known each other for a couple of years before now. We have, and I've been always wanting to join. So thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. It'll be a treat on our end. But I love to start off with something a little personal, a little interesting nugget about people. And I hear that you have another career, potentially, as a professional shredder. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to tell me what that's about. I love it. And it is not a snowboarder. My, my first office job 
was in an accounting department. I think I was like 17 or 18 at the time. And I spent a whole summer removing staples out of old checks and invoices and putting them through a shredder every day, eight hours a day, taking staples out and putting it through the shredder. It was crazy. And I will have to say that's when I started drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that sounds like I, I hate to say this because somebody might be out there that's still doing that type of job, but that sounds like a really bad job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It taught me that I wanted to work really hard in college and not be going back to that job. So it was very good motivation. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you go from professional shredder to now leading Deloitte's global CMO program. <laughs> Tell us where you got your professional start and what was the path to where you are now? I actually, I am a Deloitte lifer is what I say. I started out at Deloitte right out of undergrad and I did a lot of work helping clients with their customer marketing strategies in the context of mergers and acquisitions, and then started to really help them with their client experience and the sort of journeys that, that they brought their clients on, their customers on, and setting up the processes to create that experience in a real sort of humanistic way, if you will. And then I started our CMO program. I actually first helped our, our Deloitte with the Deloitte client experience. So created a differentiator for ourselves in the market. So took what I was doing with clients and made it happen for Deloitte. And as part of that, created our CMO program. That's nice. I, and I, I really like consultants that eat their own dog food, so to speak, <laughs> applying what you learned from clients inside the firm and, and now creating the CMO program. Tell us a little bit more, like what is the global CMO program and what does it include? We help our clients, CMOs or senior marketers um, across three different aspects. One is with their roles and what it means to be a CMO and what they should be paying attention to with their teams and how do you build the right team in today's world of marketing. And then with the business issues that they're facing, so the things that they're trying to do within the organization and to drive value for their organization. And we do that through a few different methods. One is we have experiences that we bring our clients through and help them come up with results-oriented decision-making to tackle their biggest issues. We also have a whole department of content and insights and really scanning the market, talking to our clients, figuring out what are, what are the most important things that CMOs need to pay attention to and how can we help them figure those things out. And then we also do a lot of work with what we call our ecosystem partners. We work with the various communities like the, with the ANA, with the CMO club, with at CES, various places that, that really are a gathering point for CMOs and help, again, tackle their biggest issues in those forums. Yeah. And for full transparency, that's how we got to know each other was through ecosystem and uh, my work at the CMO club. And there was overlap with some research that we were doing together. And I've seen firsthand the work that you guys have done when we were all still getting together in person. Let's 
talk about, you, you mentioned content and insights earlier. You just published at the, I think the end of last year, the 2022 Global Marketing Trends Report. And just curious if you could tell us a little bit about, we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about it and a, a few of the trends, but what went into the report and what were some of the top trends that have emerged? This is our third annual Global Marketing Trends. And what we do is we set out to really understand what are the most important things that marketers should be paying attention to now and what should they be doing about it. And so we pulled over a thousand executives from outside of the U.S., so in the U.S. as well as outside the U.S. So it was a global report as well as 11,500 consumers as well. And seven trends emerged across three different categories. The first category was just around people. And the three trends that we found around that were purpose. A lot of people are talking about purpose. We've been talking about purpose for a long time, but really thinking about what does it really mean to authentically be aligned to purpose and how does everything else that you're doing across the organization fall out from that? And then also, how do consumers react to it? Are consumers purchasing based off of your level of purpose or not. And what we find is that it's really table stakes having that purpose and really making sure that consumers expect you to have that. The second one is authentically inclusive marketing. And so really making sure that everything you do in the way that you interact with your customers, um, the way that you communicate with your customers is in an inclusive way. And what are the things that you can do as the CMO to make sure that you're setting up your processes in your organization in order to deliver on that? The third is building the intelligent creative engine. So what that's really about is, the, is talent and making sure that you are setting up your organization in a way that delivers on your marketing goals and how can you attract the right skill sets in order to drive today's level of marketing that's necessary. The second category is data. And a lot of people are talking about the cookie of this world and that's you know falling to the wayside. We're going to disappear out of, out of cookies. And, and what does that mean for your organization? And how do you set yourself up to, to gather data in a way that feels good and it gives you the insight that you need in order to deliver on the experience that you're trying to deliver? The second under data is really designing a human-first data experience. And this we get into, when does it make sense to gather data and use that in a way with your customers that feels good? And when does it start to, to get a little what we call creepy? What's the line there? And how do you make sure that you aren't crossing that line, if you will? The third grouping is experience. And the first one in that category is elevating the hybrid experience as we move into sort of a no lines, right, between the in-person experience, the online experience. How do you create something that feels very connected as opposed to siloed? And so that's what we mean by that hybrid experience. And then finally, our seventh one is supercharging customer service with AI. How do you use AI to create a really strong customer experience that 
doesn't feel like you're talking to a robot, but provides really smart, good information to your customers that's helpful. Those are our seven that we found. They're all very interesting. And I do the subgroupings that you grouped them, the three sub, you know, higher level groupings, if you will, the people, data, and experience. As you think about what are the macro levers at play here that overlay them. But I picked a three of them that I'd love to go a little deeper on because I think they're pretty interesting and potentially things that we haven't really covered that well on this show. And the first one I'd like to dive deeper into is building the intelligent creative engine. And what you found there, you described it as a talent, skills, and organization, but, but tell us a little bit more. So what we found was that organizations are really changing the makeup and processes of the marketing function. And what they're needing to do is keep up with the really fast pace of change in what they're trying to communicate or the experience that they're trying to create for their customers. And the key driver of that is relevancy and really making sure that as they are putting content out, as they're creating that experience for their customers, that it's highly relevant to the point of time that the customers are receiving that or going through that experience. And what a lot of marketers have found is that their processes and talent are not set up for that. And so one of the things that through our research is that it was interesting to us that the analytical skills are more sought after than creative skills. Now, this doesn't mean that they're not prioritizing creative. It just means that they are looking for both of those skill sets, both the creative and the analytical and looking to marry the two. The Holy Grail is someone that has both. But at the very least, you're looking for groups or pods of people that you can put together. So what we're finding is that a lot of organizations are creating what they call agile pods, and that might include some creatives, data scientists, and strategists, and using those pods to really develop the content and creative in order to create really strong moments within their customer experience. I love how you describe that. One, because it's got the elements of all three and there's a balance, if you will, to the data versus creative component there, both in terms of the skills that you're putting in these pods. And also, I would imagine because they're agile pods, you can respond that much faster. You can you potentially distributed pods. So you get ideas from more diverse people across the organization as well. That's right. And the other thing we learned is that they really need to put a premium on collaboration across the pods and across the organization. So within marketing, but also beyond marketing. And so one of the skill sets that, that they should be leaning into it are really strong collaborators and people that can work with people beyond the marketing. The rise of the soft skills again. <laughs> so the soft skills. That's right. Yes. I love it. I, I think that's a pretty interesting one. In particular, a lot of CMOs and marketers that I've talked to or have come on the show, a lot of them that are that have achieved success in some aspect of what they're doing have implemented much of what you just described. And maybe not across their entire team yet, but the success that we're usually talking about on the show 
whether it's a campaign or their response to something that's changed in the marketplace, usually has to go with a small team of diverse talents working together collaboratively against some sort of objective that they had in mind. And so it makes sense that if you could scale that, you could create a tremendous effect for the organization. That's right. And we are seeing, especially the high growth organizations, those that are being relatively successful with it, are bringing in the skill sets. And the key thing is not just bringing in those skill sets or the right talent, but also adjusting their processes. Because when they start to really have trouble, it's when they have the people to create the content, they have the, the relevancy, they have the insights to understand what's going on, but they don't have the approval processes in place or the way to publish that content in a very quick, agile manner. And so they need to adjust those processes as well. That makes perfect sense. It actually reminds me of an interview I did with someone from Hershey and they had won an Effie Award for, in part for some of their social campaign work. And to your point about process, they had to redesign the process of approvals to put social content out into the world. And they even added legal to their little pods <laughs> for a while. <laughs> See, that's smart. I think that's really smart. Your legal team or your risk management team, absolutely. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's great. Let's uh, Customer experience has been an area for focus of many years at Deloitte, and I wasn't surprised to see experience again in a couple of places, but tell me more about this designing a human-first data experience. The, the charts that I saw in the report of this helpful versus creepy dimension, I loved. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all been there, right? You have a conversation about, hey, I feel like I need to get a new mattress, and all of a sudden, you're getting ads for mattresses, and that feels a little creepy. But there are times when you are running out of toothpaste and you get an ad for toothpaste and you need to order it. You click on it and you're right there. Or you're walking by a Starbucks and they give you a coupon code. And you're like, oh, I could use a Starbucks and I get 20% off right now. Let's go in. And so there's times, we recognize there's times when sort of this data experience of, or, or this tracking of you is very helpful and back to relevancy, very relevant. And then there's times when it's really creepy and it turns off your customers. So we look to understand when does it make sense to do it and how do you do it and when doesn't it? So that, that it, not surprising, the thing we found most was that the place where, you know, the 
you're talking to your friend about the mattress and that shows up. That was the most creepy experience. 53% of people said it was creepy for the someone to be listening to what you're saying or the cues and then to be served up an ad around that. What we did find though is that when you are transparent about what you're collecting and what you're going to use that data for, people were much more likely to give you that data and much more likely to find it helpful. Two and a half times more likely to provide their personal information if you are really transparent about what you're going to do with it and how you're going to use it. That's an amazing stat because we won't talk about the cuckooist world, but as that goes away, there's definitely a push I've seen from many brands and companies to create their own first-party data systems uh, if they don't already have them in some form or fashion or partner with other organizations. And for better or for worse, we're, we're, you know, we're moving from big companies controlling a lot of the data to now this being a distributed function that is a new process, a new governance system for many companies as well. And thinking about, okay, how do we put some governance in place and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate? And it's refreshing, I guess, that if you are just transparent, and upfront about what it is that you're going to do with this data, people are comfortable. As a marketer who wants to be able to use targeting and personalization, that's comforting to hear. Yeah. And I think it helps you with figuring out how to focus because one of the hardest parts about gleaning insights out of your data and your data collection, and especially as you move to first-party data versus the third-party cookies, is you could get overwhelmed with the amount, with the possibilities. So really figuring out how do you focus on what data you're going to collect and then how you're going to use that to better connect with your customers. It's important. It's important to get it right, for sure. That's right, because you can do a lot of damage by getting it wrong. Oh, yeah. Not to mention just the blowback on the brand, but like at a personal level, like I don't know how many times I've already purchased the thing that is following me through the internet. <laughs> <laughs> They're wasting their money and annoying me at That's the same right. time. That's right. I just purchased a mattress, and so you're serving me up mattress ads. What about that makes you think I need a second mattress? Exactly. Yeah, the signals are getting crossed. <laughs> so, well, now as we expand on the data experience, and let's talk about the full customer experience. And, and this next trend that I wanted to go a little deeper on was elevating the hybrid experience. Now, one of my most favorite things that has occurred <laughs> during the pandemic, which may sound weird and very privileged position to come from, but my family and I love good takeout and, and good restaurant food. We're foodies. And the m blurring, if you will, of online ordering from all of our favorite restaurants, I don't ever want that to go away, like ever. It was such a pain to have to, I know, old days, call a restaurant and go through your order and now it's just a click of a button. I don't want that to go away. But tell me about what you guys are talking about as it relates to elevating the hybrid experience. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because my husband is very similar. He refuses to get on the phone and call anyone to order anything. And so if he can't you know, do it at a click of a button, it's not going to happen. So he's right there with you. So it's interesting because what we found out of our surveys is 75% of global executives said they're going to invest in more hybrid experience over the next 12 months. And as we looked at that, we really thought that a lot of it was safety-based because of the pandemic and really getting people the opportunity to order things without having to be in person. 
instead, what we found was that they were looking to these hybrid experiences to increase personalization, really drive innovation, connect better with their customers, and drive inclusion. So while the pandemic might have been an instigator to really accelerate these hybrid experiences, there were other reasons for it really taking center stage moving forward. And I think that's why you will see that we will be continuing with these hybrid experiences and even enhancing them into the future. So I expect you to be able to order your takeout (laughs) with the click of a button still, Alan. Okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Don't take that away. The other thing that I've been thinking about, and I'm curious if you guys saw this or or picked up on this as well, or if this was even in the data at all, is it seems that with this like acceleration, if you will, of hybrid experience, when I'm going to book my haircut appointment and order my Thai food from my restaurant I love down the street, if that if one of those experiences is not up to par with the other one, I get pretty frustrated. And I'd never thought about the fact that like cross industry experience you're comparing everything against everything now. It's no longer, can you be the best car shopping service? It's, are you the best experience on, in mobile or online? I, I don't know if you guys saw that or, or are talking about that at all as it relates to this trend as well. It's interesting because now that some people are doing it really well, when people get it wrong, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And so you notice and you don't necessarily want to go back right? You think it used to be an expectation, my online experience, and there is different than in person. And I have no idea what's, let's just take a retailer. I have no, no idea what's in store versus what's online. And I can't even return things that I bought online in store and what have you, right? Now it's expected. And you're right, it's across industry. And so if, if you're not creating that cohesion across the experience, your customers are going to notice. So one of the things that we really recommend is that you, you, number one, you need to build the infrastructure to create that cohesion. And many organizations um, have different sets of infrastructure, different sets of processes, completely different teams that are managing each of those. So being able to bring those together is extremely important. And then creating a design across the experience that is human-centered and driving that journey. And it's no longer this linear journey mapping, but they can, your customers are going to interact with you in many different ways. So having an understanding of that and helping to think about what the customer is going to experience and how you can make that seamless, no matter where and how they're interacting with you, is the key. To, to creating that hybrid experience. Yeah. And as the organizations get larger, those complexities multiply, right? Exponentially, the number of systems that they have to talk to each other, et cetera. Thank you for going through some of these reports and answering my questions about how you're thinking about each one of them. I'd love to switch gears a little bit. And on the show, we love to ask a series of questions to most guests that come on. And I'd love to ask my most favorite question to ask everyone, which is, has there been an experience of your past that defines and makes up who you are today? I grew up in Minnesota. 
and I went to a Catholic elementary school. And in second grade back then, the boys were asked to be altar boys, which felt like a bit of a leadership role that they were given. And I went home to my mom and I said, Mom, it is not fair that the boys get to do this and the girls don't. And my mom went in and she spoke with uh, the principal and our priest. And she said, hey, let's figure out something for these girls. It is not fair. And she fought for us. And we weren't allowed to be altar girls, although now there are there are altar girls. But we were allowed to, we had, we had another leadership role. We were allowed to bring up the gifts is what we were allowed to do. And what this taught me was really to stand up against inequities that I found and to fight for yourself and for others to, to get what you deserve. So I think I'm always fighting against inequities that I see. I also think that it taught me that there's such a thing as steps towards it as well. So while we didn't get the sort of altar girl, if you will, we got something and that was that was a positive step, which led to eventually girls being able to get that leadership role when they're young. That's an important change management lesson right there. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. At a very early age. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and good for you and good for your mom for, for taking that to the leadership of the church. That's awesome. I have to say that I, I have taken that on. So I have two teenage daughters and they might say that I fight for them too much sometimes. <laughs> You're like, mom, don't, 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 don't take this one, please. That's okay. That's what, yeah. <laughs> I'll handle it. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. What advice would you give your younger self if you were starting your career journey all over again? Oh, so. I can be a bit of a perfectionist. So I would say, don't be so hard on yourself and enjoy the journey. I always was striving for the best. I wanted to take on the hardest, most challenging thing. And so really not to be so hard on myself. The journey's the fun part. Yeah, I have to tell myself that too. <laughs> I'm still learning that one. Yeah, me too sometimes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what one topic do you believe marketers need to be learning more about? Or it might be a topic that you're trying to learn more about yourself. I think it's both here. And that's this metaverse thing. I don't know if you've been following this. One day, I feel like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the next day, I don't. It's something that I think it is, it's still forming. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think marketers have to be on top of it and really understand the implications of the customer experience and how you can bring more and better interactions with your customers in, in different sort of ways. But I think that there's still a lot to be defined and a lot to learn around it. I 100% agree. I'm still scratching my head some days. And then other days, I feel like I've got this thing and then something else happens. I'm like, no, I don't. I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation. I'm curious if there's on a personal note, there's brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of. So I'm really interested in climate change. And I think that's a big one that everyone needs to be looking at. Everyone needs to be thinking about. It's something that affects the, the entire globe. And it's a train that's gaining speed. And we need to do something about it. And I also think that there's something about climate change where we can all play a part. So it's not something that 
we have to rely on others to make big changes, which there should be, right? But we can also, each one of us, do something differently in order to affect climate change. And I think that's extremely important as well. That's really important. And I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It's it, I'm sure there are other issues like that, but I'm blanking on any of the other ones right now that you can do on a personal level at a very individual level that ultimately ripple up, if you will, to uh, a massive effect if everyone were focused on that. Interesting. Last question for you. Wondering what you think is the largest opportunity or threat to marketers today? I think it's a great time to be a marketer today. I think there's huge opportunity to take the reins in the C-suite and really drive all of the conversations around the customer and really drive some transformation that needs to happen within organizations And through the pandemic, it seemed like many CMOs were sort of driven into the center of the conversation because they were driving digital transformation. They were, they had the key to the customer and it had to happen very quickly to adjust the way that they were going to drive revenue with the customers in a different way. And to me, I think the opportunity is to not, not get complacent. And to continue along that path and to take advantage of being thrown into the center to continue to drive those discussions. It used to be you had to convince people to pay attention to what marketing had to say in many organizations. And, and today I think that people are paying attention. So take advantage. All I can think of to say to that is amen. (laughs) I 100% agree. And thank you. Uh, And thank you for coming on the show. This has been a fun, fun conversation. Oh, it's been so much fun. And I'm glad I'm not shredding anymore. Although I might go up to, (laughs) I live in California and um, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I like to go up to Tahoe and ski. Maybe I'll change that shredding into actually some snowboarding or skiing shredding. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.